underpowered hour on this week's show, Everything Land Rover EV. The Canadian government is selling a Camel Trophy Discovery, what to look for when buying a Land Rover Defender, and Land Rovers in the movies, Black Adam. And now, here's the show. Welcome to the Underpowered Hour. I'm Steve Barris, mild-mannered television executive by day and Land Rover collector by night. You can find out more about our cars and what we're working on at thebarriscollection.com or follow us on Instagram at thebarriscollection. I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Ike Goss. Thank you to everyone joining us today. I am the double-tapered lug nut to Stephen's chrome lug cap. I am the wrong-looking but correctly installed nut of podcasting, Ike Goss. I own and operate Pangolin 4x4 in Springfield, Oregon, where we live and breathe Land Rovers. Check us out online on Facebook, Instagram, at Pangolin 4x4. Let's get started. All right, Ike. Well, a few fun news items this week here in the world of Land Rovering. Uh, The first one is a company called, and I'm going to get the name wrong, but I think it's uh, Evrati? 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 It's, is it better if I say it with an accent? <laughs> Does that make it easier? Does that make it sound better? Uh, E-V-E-R-R-A-T-I. E-V-E-R-A-T-I. Is, this a, is this a champagne startup? It is, yeah. Well, it's only a champagne startup if the Land Rover comes from the Champagne area of France. Otherwise, it's just a, so, it's just a sparkling <laughs> Land Rover. Um, it's a fancier Alka-Seltzer. Yeah, exactly. Everati. Everati. Ever, it's like, uh, it's, yeah, I don't know. Anyways, Everati, who is apparently a famous, because I've certainly heard of them and know how to pronounce the name perfectly, famous EV conversion company has uh, added to their stable of fancy conversions of a Porsche, a Ford GT40, which I think is pretty cool. That's a, that's a pretty significant EV conversion. I'd like to see that. And they have now done a 2A. And it's actually, I have to say, it is in the upper echelon of niceness so far as EV conversions go. It still mm-hmm. looks pretty stock. They've kept, I mean, they've done a few silly things like they put on a silly wooden steering wheel. So it looks like it's a Chris Craft boat and some of that sort of stuff. But for the most part, wood in the bed, which I know you have feelings about. But generally speaking, it's a pretty nice conversion. They've kept the car looking Pretty stock, obviously very restored, looks very, very shiny new, but apparently it is a a very livable EV conversion. They've done some things like uh, they haven't done a serious amount of of messing about with trying to make the transmission working and all that sort of stuff. They've kind of embraced the EV-ness a little bit, but at the same time, you know, sort of retained some of the functions and, and things like that. The interior looks you know, more or less stock. I mean, everything, of course, is covered in, in brown leather and things like that. It's got and, a lot of got a lot of wood and a lot of trim. I'm looking at the photos now. Yeah, and, and uh, it's like the uh, the engine cover seems to be made of quilted leather, which I think is one of at my. At first, favorites. I thought it was wood. Yes, <laughs> it looks like it's I thought wood. it was matching yeah. the little bed cover or whatever. Yeah, yeah, but uh, it's pretty yeah, nice. It's I mean, it's a great. Uh, it's like the it's the seafoam green color, that light pastel green color. Uh, mm-hmm, you know, so mm-hmm. it's it's got some nice things. I think of all the EV two A conversions that are out there, this isn't a bad one. You know, it looks looks pretty good. It is a hundred and seventy five thousand dollars. However, I mean that's so. the you know that's not too out of the the realm of uh, cost on these sorts of cars. I, I would say that for that amount of money, I would like to have 
the wiper motor cover fitted to the car. It's missing right. in this it picture is. of the dashboard. <laughs> it and, sure is. Uh, <laughs> it's just gone. I don't know yeah. why they yeah. didn't put that on there. And I'm also noticing that it's got like it's a 2A and it has yeah. a series three turn signal switch on it. Sure and they've it made some sort of little baseball that goes around the switch to like cover it's got up like a baseball glove. Yeah. Yeah. The fact yeah. that it's the wrong one. Yeah. And, then it's and it got also like a has flat... a very modern top, which I don't love. You know, it's got a, it's got a snap on defender style top. So, yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. if you okay. look at the dashboard, if you look at the left-hand side, yeah. it's got an auxiliary cover that's stamped and factory. Yes. And on the right-hand side, it's just a flat plate. Like yes. you would think that, you would make those <laughs> symmetrical. Same. Symmetrical. Yeah, yeah, the same. The yeah. same. Yeah. So, I mean, if I was getting picky, I would start to point out some things like that that would be easy to fix, but maybe make it a little bit more complete. I also noticed yeah. it doesn't have any grab handles on the back row of yeah, the that's a, Yeah, that's a, that's a party how, foul. Yeah. That's a pet peeve of mine. Like, Not how many the of these, handles? like, yeah, yeah, like these two $200,000 series land rovers that are restored like the <laughs> the falcons and the yeah, you know yeah, like yeah, all these yeah. ones on instagram yeah, you see them yeah. and they're like missing half the stuff on the back yeah. of the car the easy hitch stuff. is missing easy stuff the grab handles are missing yeah like stuff you could get from Britpart, not even hard to find items like stuff yeah, like the cool cool and vintage and the yeah. the falcons yeah. and the yeah. you know they got these beautiful cars and like half the parts are gone yeah, there's a lot of stuff missing. missing. Yeah, like nobody will know. Nobody will notice. Maybe they subscribe to the Jerry McGovern reductive design philosophy. You know, they've just taken oh, all the extra bits off. You know, they want. But they leave bits. all the holes. All well, the holes they, are still there. stuff mounts. Too. Yeah, no, you don't want to like fill that in. But uh, but leave the <laughs> hole. It's fine. Yeah, I have I, definitely had conversations with builders, and I'm like, why doesn't this have you know a heater and grab handles and yeah. you know like a hitch and stuff? And they're like, oh. That's because we want it to be clean in terms of right. design. And you're like, sure. well, then why didn't you just delete all the holes? <laughs> just take the holes out then. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like when a builder goes through and like really deletes all that stuff and smooths it all like a chip foos kind of thing, like they're really cool. If you just leave the holes, though, it's a different thing. It looks like something's missing. It just means you're lazy, it's just lazy. and and cheap. It's, you're it's lazy not and reductive cheap. at all. It's just laziness. No. It's just laziness. Yeah. Well, speaking speaking of electric, as I know it is your favorite topic, the fine fine folks at Wolf Wolf Speed, which is a uh, which is a Wolf manufacturer Speed. of like uh, specialty doodabs for electric vehicle race cars, specifically for the Formula E range. Wolf Speed has been uh, contracted by our our good friends at Jaguar Land Rover to build the silicone carbide inverters that will be going in all future uh, Jag and Land Rover EVs. That part, the sick apparently is being used currently by the Jaguar Formula E team. And that sick will be used in all future Jag EVs. Lander, Lander was just going around uh, like a junkie. You got some chips? You got some chips? <laughs> you need chips. Anybody, anybody got some chips? <laughs> I think all manufacturers are doing that right now. Yeah, They're I just think it's going, exactly right. They just, you got any chips? Chips, they will chips. be uh it will be joined by a brushless motor from a uh, Roomba and uh the uh, the little <laughs> actuator thing that unlocks the front door at your building with the key card thing. They're also using some of those, I believe. So yeah, anywhere they can get anything, uh, they take are take what you can get. Yeah, take what you can get. The new EV defender will be powered by four DeWalt cordless drills and you know, and one That'd of those EcoFlow battery packs. That's that's how it's gonna that's how it's gonna work. And you know what? 
you know, I think we may give that a go. Yeah, I think it'd be totally fine. You know, we get the impact. You'll have three speeds of impact. You know, you can, if you're going up a hill, you just kind of put it in the the slow one. And yeah, it's going to be great. I think it'll be great. I speaking again. This is an all all EV news segment, as it turns out. I didn't realize that until just now. But all EV news. This segment. is a sign. It this is a sign. It is a sign. <laughs> it is a sign. It is a sign. The uh, the the fine folks again at Jaguar Land Rover have announced a charging program. So they have like two EVs, but and well, no EVs technically, except for that Jaguar one. But I don't think they actually make the the E pace right or the whatever it's called the E speed E type E. Well, it's not E type. It's F. It's a F pace, and it's an F thing. F U pace. The E the F U pace. The, the the electric one. I don't actually think they make it anymore, but they're hybrids. Uh, there are those, mm-hmm. and hopefully uh, the electric Range Rover next year. Looking very forward. I guess it's not next year. It's 24, right? Is the electric Range Rover. Yes. But looking very forward to that. Maybe, maybe we've heard rumors of an EV Defender in 25. That sure would be cool. But they have launched a program starting in the UK that will allow you to use chargers, which I don't exactly understand why that's news because you could just sign up for like any one of 36 different charging networks and just, and just charge your car. But there will be some inbuilt charging network now support in new EV Land Rovers and Jaguars. Uh, that will eventually extend to 27 countries, giving you 3,000 plus per country, apparently, uh, chargers. Now, here in California, I mean, I think there's 3,000 plus chargers here in Los Angeles. I, I think that's not necessarily novel. I don't know what the charging infrastructure is like in the UK. I don't know how many people are charging, how many EVs there are there. Obviously, here in Los Angeles, you know, if you if you took away every Tesla in Los Angeles, you would decrease the car population, I think, by 30 percent. So there are quite a few a chargers lot. here. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. A lot of crypto bros. And every one of them has a Tesla. And it's all been wrapped like all of drab green. That's it's very important. Those three things. You have to have bought a lot of like shitty, shitty coin. You have to have Ethereum. bought then shit coin. You bought shit some coin. shit coin. You bought some shit coin. And with the <laughs> small amount of proceeds from that, you've heavily leveraged yourself into a very expensive Tesla Model X. And then you've immediately taken that Tesla Model X and you've wrapped it camo or drab green or or something or flat black so that in the sun, the interior, the body panels heat up to 3000 degrees. So very important. I don't know why the dash is warped on this car. Yeah, it's, I don't know. The entire car is the shape of a noodle now. I don't know why. How did that happen? Yeah, it's interesting. The Teslas are all metal bodies, so you're just taking that heat and you're just sinking it into the batteries. Speaking of things that have been sitting in the sun for a while, I have seen that there is a particular, peculiar Land Rover for sale by the government of canada exactly well by the time this show posts which is the only reason we're talking about this because of course like secret land rovers in the united kingdom it seems like camel nefarious sales of camel trophy cars in the united states is something that like ooh, nobody wants to talk about it this car has already sold so good luck by the time you hear this it hasn't at this moment but by the time you hear this it'll have already sold so good luck to whomever has purchased it and if you want to get in contact with us and talk about it we'd love to hear from you but uh, yes I can look also for there is, in fact, a camel trophy, camel trophy discovery in the possession of the Canadian border guard. And they are selling it for export only, which would yeah. mean it cannot stay in Canada. And in fact, it it must go to 
I mean, I imagine at the closest here in the United States, if it can be resolved, or potentially back to the United Kingdom where it came from. But it is a real Camel Trophy car. It was apparently used by the Japanese team. I believe it's a 9697 car. Is that right? I think something like that. I think that. it is. Yeah. And it uh, uh, looks pretty complete. It is complete. It is complete with about 70 pounds of rust uh, because it has unfortunately been sitting outside for four full years since it was confiscated, uh, apparently around the start of the pandemic, I guess. Maybe that's why it's been sitting. They like hosed it down with salt too before. (laughs) And the roof is just eaten away on the gutter area. I mean, it's fixable and there's a lot of like rare, unique parts on it. And it's, it's, it's definitely a fixable car. Yeah, for sure. It is uh, currently sitting in Montreal, Quebec. So it's not far from the United States. It wouldn't be such a big deal to transport it. We've talked to a few parties who wish to remain nameless about the car to get some sort of guesses around what happened. I will tell you this, Mike, this is my guess. And I, I don't want it in any way to disparage those of uh, American birth. But my theory here, <laughs> my theory here, <laughs> is that it was a a person in a person. The, the United States okay. that decided that this was the perfect car for them. Mm-hmm. They purchased it. It is a known car. It It is part of the Camel Trophy Club. The previous owner is a known person, and it could be searched in the Camel Trophy Owners Club, you know, annals. And uh, you could certainly look up what, what it's saying. Uh, but I, I believe this is this is non-substantiated. This is nonsense. This is this is like this is, a, uh, this is a fan theory. This is a fan theory. This is fan fiction at this point. Fan theory mm-hmm. that a gentleman or lady or child or someone of uh, purchasable ability, uh, an estate maybe, <laughs> uh, restaurant chain, uh, hobby store. Could you maybe, use more words to describe you know, this person? Uh, purchased this car from someone in the United Kingdom, and knowing that at the time, most likely, if this was four years ago, twenty-five year old. I mean, you're right on the edge of being able to import this thing. they would bring it to Canada because 15 years in Canada, you can bring it in, no problem. And then they would take it from Canada and they would simply drive it to the United States, which of course has never happened before. Nobody has ever done that. That would be, that would be, it's treasonous to even think about it. And that at some point during that ill-fated journey were stopped either in the province of Quebec, which does not allow you to have a right-hand drive vehicle, which is a, maybe a little-known fact for those of you outside yeah, of... Uh, I didn't America. know that. But ask our good friend Dixon Kenner if you can drive a right-hand car. You can maybe drive it through if it's registered in another province, but there's no way you'll ever register it there. The uh, Quebecois does not care for right-hand drive vehicles. So perhaps... Why? Why Why can you have that in one part of the country but the not in another? The interesting thing about Quebec in general is that answering the question why, just generally speaking, is, is very difficult. Because yeah, it's, why Quebec? We, we exercise don't and frustration. We, we don't know. It's just exactly. It's just, you know what? It's a beautiful province and Montreal is an incredible city and uh, lots of good friends there and good time spent there. But generally speaking, the question of why Quebec cannot be answered. So um, the only it, thing that I know about Quebec mm-hmm. is that it is the origin of Savoir Faire. That's true. The mouse nemesis mm-hmm. to Klondike Cat. That's correct. And yes. His famous yes. catchphrase, savoir faire, is everywhere. <laughs> it's exactly right. Yes. It's the only yeah. thing you know about Quebec. That, uh, poutine, and Montreal smoked meat sandwiches, which is kind of like a uh, pastrami sandwich, but different and better. Okay. I don't know. I don't know what else. You know, maple syrup. Uh, there's famously the Canadian Strategic Reserve 
of maple syrup is in Montreal. Famously, it was robbed. Yeah, it was robbed at one point. And we talked about that in previous show. There's a great documentary about it. Um, But anyways, I detract. So my theory is that an entrepreneurial American uh, purchased this car, imported it into Montreal, not knowing that that is a dubious place to try to import a car. Maybe got it in, possibly got it in, and uh, jumped in that car looking to drive it across the border and was stopped either by the RCMP or possibly at the border. And hilarity ensued, as I'm sure that car was confiscated and eventually turned back to the border guard. And uh, then with COVID and everything else happening, perhaps some legal wrangling around it, it sat outside in Montreal, which gets snow. And more importantly, it gets this sort of freezing rain stuff that creates like a hard shell of ice around everything. And so it probably went through that a few times. I mean, this poor car. Now, the funny thing is, is if you go to that same the same website, and I, I'll go sometimes because especially the uh, Canadian Forces base in Suffield in Alberta, that was a joint uh, operations base, and they used a ton of Series 3s there. So sometimes you'll find just like they'll have a crate of Series 3 head gaskets, and you can buy 200 Series 3 head gaskets from the CFP Forces base uh, for, you know, 100 bucks. And so I'll I'll look sometimes, but uh, most of their stuff is indoors, which is interesting. They usually keep like those little Bombardier cars and everything. They keep them inside, Mm -hmm. not this Camel Trophy truck. It is outside. In fact, a good friend who will remain nameless that you can actually look up this facility on Google Maps and you can see see the Camel Trophy truck parked in the yard. It's been there so long. It's been photographed by satellite. So yeah, so it's sitting there. The legal, you know, you know, the legality of being able to bring it into the United States. I'm sure there are individuals that could do it. Our good friend Will Hendrick, I'm sure, is the man to solve that problem. Perhaps you know there are there are others. There's ways to do it, but it is not a slam dunk. There are some there are some wiggly bits around it. I guess the ownership thing is a little cloudy and some of that, but it's it's just fascinating <laughs> that a Camel Trophy truck is in the possession of the Canadian government and has been impounded for four years in uh, in and Montreal. And is basically on on sale on their equivalent of government planet, right? Yeah, it's on the yeah, it's on the uh, the Canadian Gov planet, which is uh, which is called Gov Canoe. Yeah, you can you can head over there. You can't because it's already gone. This was recorded in the past. So I could go right now. I mean, I'm not going to, but I could. I could go and buy this car right now. Um, but uh, I won't. But uh, it is, uh, yeah, it is purchasable. It was purchasable. So <laughs> interesting. Purchasable. I'm, I'm interested to know. I think it's, they want ten grand Canadian for it right now. That's what the sort of bid is at. What do you think? If you had to, I mean, this thing is is pretty clapped out. Like in the words of our of our very good friend Joe, it is pretty chooched. Uh, but would you buy? Uh, it? What do you think? It's complete. It is. It looks fairly original. It does. It has some some significant rust in the roof and and maybe in other places because it was in the UK. So yes. it's probably been exposed to some salt. And, uh, yep. you know, if it's one thing that vintage Land Rover discoveries are good at, it is collapsing in on themselves yes. like a black hole. It's true. A bra- a, true. But, but more like a, a brown, a brown flaky hole. hole. Brown anyway. flaky hole, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that might be a different thing. So, a different thing. so yeah. it, but it is repairable with like readily available pieces yep. and you would have a, a pretty complete, largely original Camel Trophy car. And yep. it's a cool vintage, yep. you know, that has a 300 TDI in it. And so it's a very much more drivable car than some of the earlier you know, Camel Trophy cars that yeah. have like two and a half liter diesels yeah. in them yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know, maybe 30 grand. 
What do you think? Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's what, sort of what I was thinking as well. Here's how I look at it. That car probably needs somewhere in the neighborhood of about $50,000 of work to make it just perfect, right? And there would be no reason to do a sympathetic restoration of this car. There's nothing to sympathetically restore. It is it is chooched. I love that. I'm going to, I'm, I, I know it's Joe's word, but I really bandwagon. Man, I love the yeah. chooch. Anyways, it's, it's pretty clapped out. And so I think you'd spend a good amount of money on it. But given the fact that a Camel Trophy Discovery, probably minimum sale price on a car like that is probably 70,000. And we've certainly seen them go above a hundred. Now this doesn't have the pedigree of a winner or of a vehicle of significant note because mm-hmm. it was driven by a particular person, a Jim West or somebody who is, you know, knows the history of the vehicle and everything. This was the Japanese team in this year's event. They didn't do anything significant. They didn't win anything, but it still went to the event. It was still a team car. Those are cool. Team cars are always more destroyed than the, the organizer cars because they just get abused so they often are in rougher shape but i think that's offset a little bit because of their sort of collectability so yeah i mean i think if you were to pay 25 to 30,000 us for this you put another 40 or 50,000 in it you'd kind of be in that $70,000 ballpark 70 80,000 dollars and i think you could probably get $40,000 working out the logistics as far as the titling and registration That's is concerned the trick. then another exactly. 40,000 50,000 dollars yep. restoring it yes. then you'd have a $75,000 car that's exactly right. That's the tricky part is like, is the, if you can register it and if it could ever be rendered sellable again, then, you know, sure. But I think there's, you know, there's big effort to be put into doing that. Um, sure. I would certainly suggest, you know, you want to get somebody like Will Hendrick or something to just sort of deal with it for you because it's going to be a dubious border crossing and, and that sort of stuff. So, you know, I don't know that I, even with all the, you know, times I've done that and stuff, I'm not sure I would want to take this particular one on, but yeah. Could it be made into a great car again? Absolutely. Should it be 100%? It shouldn't be like purchased and parted out or anything. I think it can be. It could be rendered you know, operable and somebody could have a ton of fun with it, I think. And I hope that's what happens. I hope a, an enthusiast purchases it. And, you know, if you're not looking to make huge money off of it right away, certainly taking the time to obviously get it registered and everything, make it legal, but then to put the time into fixing it, it's a discovery. It's very fixable. There are there are entire generations of people in the UK that have been restoring. I mean, sometimes the same discovery over and over, like the Brooklyn Bridge. Every yeah. every decade, it gets completely rebuilt because it's rusted to they shit. Just over the start at the other end once yeah. they finish the just work back and forth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, what do you think? Are you gonna are you gonna purchase it? You think uh, add it to the uh, stable up there at the old Pangolin four x four? I have a. Uh perfect track record of not owning discoveries yeah so i think it's likely i will keep that intact you don't think this is the one that will finally worm its way into your heart Mm, maybe if you start to feel that inkling you can always come and help me rebuild the fuel injection pump on my on my discovery anytime you want send it up here i'll fix it yeah it'll be good i gotta get it i just have to get it out i just have to find the time find the time we're gonna take a very quick break to hear from this sponsor and now back to the show so speaking of what you would uh, think about when it comes to restoring a vehicle, it is everybody's mm, fourth favorite segment. What to look for? <laughs> what to look for when buying? We only have three segments. Yeah, we only have like three segments. This is the part of what to look for when buying. Uh, and we're finally up to what to look for when buying a Land Rover Defender. Land Rover what? Defender. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I have a few of them. They're great. They're a lot of plastic. If you think you didn't like the amount of plastic that was in the Series 3, let me introduce you, my friend, 
to the Defender, where it's, not it's only the is the level. interior <laughs> plastic, but there's a ton of plastic in the engine too. So yeah, in the engine and like around the body, you oh, know, yeah. the fenders and oh, yeah. these big plastic wheel arches, and some of the later ones have plastic on the bumpers. You know, yeah, oh yeah. I famously, anytime I visit our good friends at Eastner Castle, now they don't have the classic defenders there anymore. But when they did. I would knock off one of those little plastic bumperlets on the outside. It, it is, I've been there several times, Rob and the gang, all very good friends, uh, Griff and, the, and everybody has been always wonderful to us anytime we're there. But I, 100% of the time now, I've never left without knocking one of those things off of the front bumper. So I didn't realize that when we saw them behind uh, Classic Works, you should have just knocked another one off. <laughs> should have just kicked it off. Just... Yeah, yeah, just yeah. out of spite. Well, this might have to be a two-part segment because yeah. there's a lot to talk about. There is. The Defender, it's a huge, but, it's um, a huge thing. Well, let's talk about you know, first of all when you roll up on. Let's say you're you're just in the market for a Defender. What's your favorite Defender to look for? Do you like a, a NAS spec Defender and think it's worth paying that premium, or are you looking for a rest of the world car, either diesel or or even one of the older, you know, newer newer TDIs or older two and a half liters? I, you know, I haven't had a lot of Defenders. I've maybe had six mm -hmm. and uh, two of those were NASCARs and the rest were rest of the world cars. And uh, I would say that if I was going to look for a car, I would prefer the, you know, 95 to 97, 98 vintage. Mm -hmm. I like that vintage of Defender. It has mm -hmm. the 300 TDI R380. Mm -hmm. uh, great combination, good parts availability, mm -hmm. lack of exterior electronic controls yep. for that drivetrain. Yeah. Uh, very, you know, reliable. And it's pretty easy to own those cars. Yeah. Unfortunately, most of the cars that have that configuration in the United States have come from England. Yes. And England is uh, much like you know, the series cars, the worst place, the worst to place buy in the world, yeah, a Land Rover. Right. Yeah. 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 It's a big island of salt. Yeah. You know, in the middle of an ocean of salt. Yes. And so they're typically extremely, extremely rusty cars. And yeah. that's, that's absolutely true of the defenders as well. Maybe even more so there's yeah. some really rusty cars, especially in the upper bulkhead area, mm -hmm. the upper bulkhead of a defender for whatever reason tends to rust substantially more yes. than a yes. series car yes when fundamentally quicker. they're not they're not that different but somehow i no. agree they they managed to really figure out how to really suck up in fact as we said before every subsequent series of land rover they did figure out how to make them rust more efficiently and certainly by the time i think they had perfected it in the defender by the time the the 2016 uh, tdci defenders rolled up the line they would already be rusting in the factory <laughs> during assembly they had actually started that process so. now some of those cars have really nice doors you know those yeah. so later cars yes they have a really nice galvanized door mm -hmm. that's sturdy mm -hmm. and that's like post lawsuit right the earlier defenders you know from like 84 through um 2001 maybe mm -hmm. is it yeah i think that's what i probably say. have that last year wrong but yep. uh those doors are very rust prone and yep. so it certainly pays to inspect the doors the aftermarket doors are not nearly as nice as the factory no. doors but you know if i'm buying one of these cars i want to get it from a dry climate country mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. like a a Spain and yep. Italy, uh, you yep. know, Southern Europe sort of situation yep. or like an Australia interior mm -hmm. non-coast place. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I like those left-hand drive cars. They tend to bring more of a premium here, yep. but depending on where you live, that might not matter. And uh, right. the right-hand drive ones drive just as good as the left-hand drive ones, but especially not if you're if, in 
Quebec. Don't yeah. Don't don't even yeah, try. Don't don't get one in Quebec. But yeah. uh, you know the things to look for on these cars. Number one is always going to be rust. The number mm-hmm. two thing is does it have a 19J engine? If it mm-hmm. does, don't buy it because right. those engines are are awful. They're awful. Yeah. They yeah. they yeah. have a very high tendency to crack mm-hmm. it's land rovers like basically first generation of turbo diesel mm-hmm. and they did not have the metallurgy they or didn't have engineering no. to no. underpin that and they're unreliable they they yeah. just always crack the only ones you see that run uh, that aren't cracked or broken are really really low mileage examples so mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting you see these really low mileage cars that come up for sale and people get really excited about them and they're like oh it's only got 40 or fifty thousand miles on it and the rest of the car is in really good shape but the engine's gonna it's, it's gonna a time bomb up. it's a time bomb. it's a time bomb it's, it's like a happen. nas defender that has never had head gaskets <laughs> replaced you're like well it's only a matter of time that's, yeah that's that's a good point you bring up a good point the the nas defenders of which i've had a few those cars you know, they have a lot more electronic controls on the engine, a lot of yep. sensors. Yep. They're all V8s. They're usually the 3.9. Mm-hmm. Uh, 3.9 of the 4. In NAS Defender. Mm-hmm. And those cars in 94 and 95 and 97, they imported Defender 90s. And uh, the 97s are all automatic. Mm-hmm. The previous ones are LT77 or R380 cars. Mm-hmm. Of those, I like the 95s. Those mm-hmm. are my favorite. That's mm-hmm. the manual with the R380 in it, yeah, and the four-liter yeah. engine, yeah. Mm-hmm. Arless blue is probably my favorite yeah. color for That's those. A great color, you know, yeah. Yeah. an Arless blue ninety-five D ninety wagon. wagon. That's yeah. probably mm-hmm. my favorite of mm-hmm. those cars. You know, and the then, new the new Defender that is sort of the homage paint scheme to that car is also my favorite Defender ninety currently. I just think that blue yeah. white combo it looks super cool. Um, it is. You know, those cars, the NASCARs had the mag wheels, but you could you could switch them to the steel, the white steel wheels. Very, it's a a smart looking combo. I agree. I think that's my favorite as well. But as you said, you know, prone to head gasket failures. So always pays to test the coolant for exhaust gases on those vehicles. The 93, you know, they imported the Defender 110s and those are a special car in and of themselves. There's a little over 500 of those that they imported into the U.S. and Canada. They're always Alpine white, except for like one that belongs to Ralph Lauren. Ralph Lauren, Lauren, yeah. Black one. Yeah, his black one. Yeah, Yeah, he does. Yeah. And they have an external safety devices roll cage because they didn't pass. Didn't even remotely come come close to rollover standards here in the United States. Yeah. So so they slapped a safety devices roll cage on them and they put a a roof rack on top of that and put a bull bar on them. I think those original MSRP on those cars was like 38,000. Is that right? Yeah, they were nothing. They were, there were zero. Yeah, they're zero dollars. They were super cheap. And, the roll cage for that car now is $38,000. So, you know, without question, super expensive. Yeah, Yeah, super expensive. Very expensive. So those are neat cars. I've had one of those. But one thing I don't like about those NAS 110s is that they did away with the scuttle vents. So, Mm -hmm. you know, in a car like that, that doesn't have maybe the world's greatest HVAC system, Mm -hmm. some additional ventilation is welcome. And the scuttle vents, for whatever reason, I don't know who thought this was a good idea, were completely blanked off. Like they didn't have an opening in those cars. Yeah. And then they have like a big gray plastic like a uh, insert in the yeah. dashboard. It has all of the warmth and charm of like a budget shower stall from Home Depot. Like it's just <laughs> like, true. yeah, it really does. Yeah, yeah. It's just like hanging out in a fiberglass shower stall. Yeah. Those yeah. interiors are not yeah. 
my favorite. No, they're not. They're not great. And yeah, it's interesting because like the bulkhead of the UK equivalent to that car still had scuttle vents through the TD5. So they had to go way out of their way to delete those in order to put in more Jeep looking dash because it does look pretty similar to the Jeep dash of, you know, it's contemporary of the same time period. They look pretty similar. They're like, oh, we're putting air conditioning in it. Why would anyone want operable vents? <laughs> Nobody would ever want to use the outside yeah, air would, when we could who would want that? pump it in in this thing that will likely break a week after you buy it. But yeah, no, I mean, I, you know, obviously we have the NAS 90 and the rally car is a NAS 90, which we've gotten more than a few people who have mentioned our misuse of such a collectible automobile. Mm, uh, little terrible, did they know. ruined it. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> but I ruined it a long time ago. It, it used to be <laughs> soft top. But uh, I modified the roll cage, which meant stripping off all the padding and changing the configuration of the bars. Value just plummeted. Oh, I know. Stick a military wolf roof on it for uh, when I had it back in Canada. So, no, it's been thoroughly destroyed. But the thing is, because I'm never going to sell it, it doesn't really matter. Um, Mm -hmm. But I do love the uh, individuals. There are a few here in in Los Angeles that will, you know, that buy NAS Defenders and uh, will occasionally come and buy parts from me. I'll, whatever, they'll look at the rally car, the something else or whatever. And when I tell them that I stripped the padding off of the uh, the roll cage, oh, it's it's always that same thing. They're like, dude, do you know how much that's worth? And I'm like, bro, I totally do. And I don't give a shit. It's not, it's fine, man. And they're like, oh, I just can't, I can't imagine it. It's like, it's worth so much money. And I'm like, you know what? It's actually worth nothing because I would never sell it. You know, it's like, it's not yeah. a car. It's not a car that I would ever sell. It's Cooper's problem to deal with in the future when we're all dead. Well, or she'll or be, for- she'll be cursing the fact that you remove the roll yeah. bar padding oh i'm sure she's like oh no or, or lies in general will roll it into the if ocean only, or something or i don't know if whatever. only dad hadn't done that this would be worth so much money it'll be worth so, so much money because it'll be such a famous rally car you know so uh, if you're buying an ass 90 yeah. the lesson there is make sure it has good roll bar padding. <laughs> good roll bar bedding yeah they do make a replacement for it now you can get a you can get a replacement for the roll bar padding also There's expensive. A few yeah yeah it's super expensive but it is replaceable and uh, yeah i love the soft top defender i you know obviously have one and had it for a long time and uh, before taking the uh, soft top off but it is fun it is a fun car to have a soft top on you could get all kinds of different tonneau covers little you know little mini tops and stuff for it it's a neat it's a neat car and i think it was i I don't know why it didn't catch on in north america obviously not like the jeep but even the glendevoggen and things seemed to sort of find a foothold and continue but they were just not willing to do the kinds of updates to the defender that would mean sustaining it here in the united states so you know if you want one of those u.s ones there are there are not a lot of them but they are uh they're a much easier car to own. Yeah, there's like, <laughs> but, you know, there's, what do they import? Like four or 5,000 of those things? Yeah, you know, like each, they're, they're numbered in batches of 500, but there's yeah. like 500 wagons and 500 yeah. soft tops and yeah. 500 this and 500 that. So there's, yeah, it's a there's few thousand, more than a few thousand cars. Yeah, yeah there's 500 in Canada, period. We only got the 94 model car in Canada. We only got it for one year. And those are mm-hmm. CDN stamped cars. So CDN yeah. and, then yeah. the, and then the number wage, which is kind of cool. It's a little bit unique and there's a lot. And there's 25 110s as well, right? 25 110s. Yeah, there's 25 110s. Canadian spec 110s, which are very rare. I know where four or five of them are, but yeah, those are uh, super rare. So those are cool as well. The same. Yeah, this, uh, some different things. The heating was different and stuff in them and some other stuff, but uh, but largely the same. Well, we should uh, we should delve a little bit more in depth on uh, the Defender Buyer's Guide in a future episode. Because, I think that's exactly uh, right. 
I think part two is the right is the right time for that. Part two. So in conclusion, uh, everybody's least favorite segment, Land Rovers in the Movies, this film's just come out. It is from your good friend, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. It continues the DC superhero movie franchise, Black Adam has some wolf defender uh, at the very beginning. They're in a made-up Arabian Peninsula country. They have a militant group that is occupying that country, and that militant group has a whole variety of different interesting military vehicles, LMTVs, and there's a few Pinskowers in there. There's some uh, other foreign market forward control Suzu's and things painted. Uh, whatever sand. they had at the movie rental place. Whatever they had at the movie rental place. I guarantee that the whole <laughs> thing was probably shot. Well, I know for a fact most of it was shot in Hungary. They shot a lot of it in Hungary, but uh, whatever the movie rental place had, they also had some wolf defenders yeah. that are in there, which is kind of cool. So right on. That's yeah. cool. So I think you love the rock with Landovers. Yeah. In. yeah. yeah uh, I think the last superhero movie we did with Landovers in it was uh, maybe, was it Avengers? They Could have been. The, where the Hulk is riding in the back of the 110 pickup or something like that. Pickup. Yeah, that's right. Going down to see uh, Fat Thor. Yeah. Fat Thor. Yeah. Yep. Pretty yep. sure that was the last one, but it's pretty common. I think Moon Knight. Oh, the yeah, uh, yeah. Disney had a bunch. Uh, yeah. film mm -hmm. recently mm -hmm. also mm -hmm. had some defenders it through sure several did. sequences. It sure did. So I think it's it's picking up, man. Picking yeah, up. they're popular. You know, they look very trucky and very military. And, uh, you know, I guess all those Bond films over all those years have really reinforced the fact that you need to have that. Well, with that, Ike, I don't know if you've been to underpoweredhour.com lately to check out all of the great new stickers we I have. Every rally day. team stickers. Rally team stickers. You can those get rally little... team stickers are cool. You can get a tiny defender to go with your tiny Ike, you know, and that I think is a match made in heaven. You know, that's just, uh, it's what every tiny Ike desires is a tiny rally car for him to, I agree with that, to sort of sit on top of or, or be adjacent to, or, you know, whatever, whatever you think. And cut uh, out the window and then put it behind. Oh, I definitely do that. That's, that's the right <laughs> way. That's the right, that's the right thing to do. You know, that's the, that's we may the have right to call. make that. We may have to make that a combo pack where you can uh, mod your <laughs> stickers too. If you haven't gotten uh, any of these stickers yet, and for whatever reason, you don't have access to the internet, uh, you can always uh, join us at Destination Defender coming up November come on down uh, 12th and see us. 13th. Why not come down? Uh, use the obstacle course that Jenna and Liza are going to set up, a uh, navigation yeah. course. You know, come listen to us regale you with tales of land rovering and such, and you never know. Uh, you might just win a bottle of Nando's uh, Piri Piri sauce. Maybe have a couple with us, and uh, you can ask for Ike to give you a review in person, as unfortunately we have a run out of time uh, oh, for that no. today. But I believe the Nando's people will be at Destination Defense and we may just be able to make something happen there. But sure at any rate, so. that's it for this week. It's been a slice. Good luck on your bidding on that Canadian confiscated <laughs> uh, camel trophy truck, uh, Ike. Uh, listen to illegal uh, contraband discovery. Wait, it comes with a kilo of cocaine in the back of it, but that, it has to be exported. You can't sell that cocaine in Canada. It has to be exported. So uh, as always, keep it safe and we'll talk to you next week. All right. See you soon. The Underpowered Hour is produced by Liza Barris, Ike Goss, and me, Steve Barris. Pavel Svartov composed and performed our theme music. Consider supporting the show on Patreon, and if you already do, thank you. Your support makes the show possible. For even more, check out our Instagram or Facebook.